0: You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us.
1: Happy December, everybody.
2: Oh, ho, ho. Well... That was a terrible Santa. I feel like that was my weakest. That was my weakest impression all season. Do you want to make up for it? Want to try one more time? All right. Let me try that again.
1: Hello, everybody. Oh,
2: ho, ho. Now, that's a little evil.
1: (laughs) Evil (laughs) Santa coming to you live at the Epcot Center.
2: Driving a big monster truck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Disney followers never know what they're expecting. This summer, Santa Claus and his chainsaw hands.
1: Well, I mean, think of it like this. Every Disney movie, as uh, Sam was saying a while back on our show, that uh, they're making all these Disney villain movies, right? Yeah, I like I like the idea, They've got to make Santa evil, then, if they're going to make uh, all these movies about Cruella de Vil and Ursula. Evil
2: Santa? I mean... It's 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 ripe, dude. There's there's so much there. I mean, he's a beloved childhood character, but he's not a religious figure, you know, <laughs> so that's the way you can get away with this man.
1: pagan man with red.
2: I haven't seen it, but I saw this uh, poster for Thanksgiving. You know, the turkey goes to get revenge. <laughs> Between like horror films and porn
1: movies that are riffing off words, I feel like we will never stop finding good art, even into this weird, <laughs> weird era we're setting into now.
2: Well, I think, honestly, I was just thinking about that recently. I do think that the art that comes out of, these next few years. So it better I'm, be good. Everything going forward. Yeah, it's going to be really good.
1: We're like the standard bearers because our show is at the very bottom. So as long as art's better than us, we're going to do okay. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. I
2: think we'll uh, be all right.
1: In case you uh, are wondering what you got yourselves into, because we didn't introduce properly, but we are improper individuals. My name is Alon. My we, name is Jimmy. We bring you Lost and Rewound every Thursday here on Radio Free Brooklyn. If you wish to be a sponsor for this rabble rousing, um, you can directly sponsor us at radiofreebrooklyn dot com slash L A R or
2: Uh you can also go to radiofreebrooklyn dot com slash pledge. That's to
1: the Patreon page where you could donate any money you wish at all to keep us going with financial ease. It was just recently Giving Tuesday, so give
2: a little more. <laughs> give, a little give a little bit, bit. <laughs> Um You know again we're moving on up in the world. We're still out in lowly Bushwick, yes. but there's no more bike. I don't I, I don't hear air pumps anymore and, uh, you know,
1: But we got instead, background. in the replacement of that, we got ill music from our man Federico over at Secondhand Records NYC. Yeah, Definitely got... check them out online at secondhandrecordsnyc.com and pay a visit to our studio slash the store here in beautiful Bushwick.
2: If you got that taste, that taste for vinyl, you just need to have it. You wear it on your clothes, and you put it in your record player. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. You were Uh, wondering where I was going to go with that.
1: uh, (laughs) Who knows where we go with anything anymore? But that's what's the point, is, is that we like to just sort of go organically into a world that we're not expecting. This week, we don't have any guests, but we do have a lot of stuff that I gotta get off my chest can we try that one more time off your hair chest exactly <laughs> off the hair chest. although we don't have guests allow me to get this off my chest ah oh, yes that hair chest hairy hairy chest sick man <laughs> you sick man let's begin
2: growing up. Uh, Yes, did he make you an offer you couldn't refuse? I suppose. It's hard
1: to say about an offer, per se. I kind of got born into having a godfather, because isn't that the whole point? When you are born, parents will have friends with the title of godparents.
2: Well, it's a a good thing. It, It shows that your parents have people that are close to them in their lives that aren't necessarily your relatives. When I was...
1: In middle school, I developed a really good friendship with my godfather and his wife, my godmother, Jean Shaw and Cheryl Kirash. I will say their government names because <laughs> I don't keep in touch with them anymore. And as the show will progress, we will find out why. You're not in the
2: family anymore. Did he ask you to whack somebody? <laughs> and it was just it was I was you know what? It was right
1: outside the lines. So, well, yeah, well, it, it actually, it is financially based, but we'll get to that later. Backtrack, though. My dad and John grew up together in Flushing, New York. They grew up together. They were friends since second grade. For a long time after high school, my dad lost touch with John. And John's a crazy guy. You know, retrospectively, he's just, he kind of goes on his own track. He does what he wants. He's not a very social guy. He kind of lavishes on being off the radar. And especially in the days when there were no cell phones, there were no email addresses, there was no internet, getting in touch with somebody like him was next to impossible. My dad worked diligently diligently for at least a decade if that maybe less to get back in touch with john i feel like there's mount everest somewhere in this <laughs> where, like
2: he climbed a mountain and he climbed a mountain it's A terrible tale. when
1: he came back down he was energized
2: so he spent 10 years trying to find him and then he did find him
1: I, I don't actually know offhand how long it was but but, he, but what you're saying is he did find him yes my dad tracked him down Because this was a guy that he really cared about. This was one of my dad's best, best friends. Witness protection? Who knows? So John (laughs) became a psychologist, and he married a woman who was also a psychologist. So the two of them, by virtue of the fact that they're both psychologists, are not opposites. They definitely are peas in a pod. They are both eccentrics to the max. And I don't know how this came to be, but evidently my parents and they— were really really close maybe it was all the weed smoking but they definitely got along really well to a point that when i was born they instated john and cheryl as my godparents john was at my 12th birthday John would come to birthday parties for me. We would all get together with them very often, as often as we could since they lived all the way out in friggin' Stony Brook which is nowhere close to Woodstock, especially since our other families in Rockville Center closer to Queens and Nassau and Stony Brook is way on the other end by the sound so really far away. So it was really nice getting a chance to spend time with John but th- this was what he thought of the Danziger
3: Zone. Well, here we are for the Danziger Zone party. It's a very special event. Of course, the author and the of the Danziger Zone yes. is celebrating a very special day here. It's the birthday special. It's the birthday special. Now, yeah, there, there, yes, is it working? There are many, it is. there are many things that one can say to a young man on his 12th birthday. And, and, oh Once you enter the Danziger zone, you never return. It is a very dangerous place to be. And we would give a parental advisory for all those even considering listening to the remainder of this tape. Not only will death and destruction ensue, but all sorts of horrible castrations will occur.
1: For the record, on our SoundCloud page, where you can hear all our past episodes, I did put an extra... Up of that actual clip because it was so perfect just on its own. I for mean, those who had heard it, I had to play it again.
2: For those out there sitting, relaxing, watching the program, now now worrying watching about the program, watching it. People watch the radio. <laughs> look at old, look at old photographs and paintings, man. People look directly at the it's radio true, when, when they listen to it. It's <laughs> they, true. they watch it, worried about castrations at this moment. So yes, you, let let, let your um assuage your fears. We're only playing an old clip, so... <laughs> yes. You have to listen to the direct zone of the tape. It's a, sort of like The Ring. Like, you can't copy the tape. Yeah. We're playing the clip. You guys are okay.
1: And as long as you don't know what castration is, which is impossible <laughs> since we're all adult. When he
2: recorded that, I'm sure you didn't know what he was talking oh, about. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> which was... is which is what makes it even more ingenious. Yeah. It's a he... pretty great clip, honestly.
1: John and I had a good relationship. As said, we were buddies in that we went to shows together. So my dad being busy as he is and not really liking the city as he did and not being into the music that I was into, uh, that's where John came in because John was a huge fan of current music. This was a guy who infamously, he told me this, he infamously was out of his mind drunk. In the early 90s, that meant he was uh, 40. Drunk out of his mind, must have been on some kind of crazy drugs at this Guns N' Roses show at Jones Beach. Like He's the guy who was a huge fan of all the current music of the 90s, all the grunge, all the the meat puppets, Skinny Puppy, Nirvana, obviously. They gotta feed that puppy, dude. Exactly. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. That whole entire generation of the early 90s, mid-90s was his wheelhouse. But he definitely had a ton of musical taste that spanned... Over just the stuff that I knew, but he could talk to me in a language that I understood at that time since I was so impressionable at that time. You know, do you ever had, had anybody like that when you were growing up like that?
2: Yeah, it was in high school. There was a guy who was a music teacher of mine and uh, was also the director of the school plays that I was in. Oh, yeah, you told me about you this told guy. told about this guy. Uh, his name was Quinn Strassel. Quinn Strassel. And Great he, guy. He kicked ass at kickball, too. Yeah, oh yeah, the story of me and him just being like just rain making it rain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're exactly right. But he there's another story where, you know, he was a young teacher. I want to say he was in his How late old? he was like 28. Okay. When um I was um I was, like, a freshman in high school. Get you. And then there was one point where, you know, he was just a cool dude. And, like, if kids got rowdy, like, he just didn't care. He was just like, if you want me to teach, I'm not going to teach. Like, I don't care. I was just like, I'll sit down and, like, chill and listen to music. Like, I'm here to teach you guys. And he was a really good teacher. And there was just always bad kids that just didn't care if they had a good teacher, you know? So I remember that that happened one instance, and I was in the class. And he saw me in the front listening to music. And I remember that at the time... I think this is right before the school play. I knew him before the school play, doing this, and then he was like, "What are you listening to?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, the Strokes." I talked to him before about music that I liked, and I was like, "I'm listening to the Strokes," and he was like, "Oh, word." <laughs> He's like, and he actually said "word," which as a kid you're like, "Oh, you, word." Yeah, you, you're, you're like, "Yo, you're, you're like, oh, it. this guy's cool." <laughs> and then Were that, there any other bands? I think he may have mentioned the Strokes before. Yeah, I, at the before. time, I was listening to like all the bands that had "the" in the name. Uh huh. The Hives. The, the Vines. Vines. What was the other one? Uh, the White Stripes. Uh-huh. I listened to all those bands. Everyone goes through phases. That was like a phase I had. Uh, I still like that music. That's not a music that I really grew out of. I enjoy it. But he at the time liked it. And then I, like, I gave him like, the headphone. We were listening to the headphones together. We were talking about the music and what we liked about it. Yeah. And he was speaking my language.
1: John Shaw took me to the first concert I ever went to, which I've talked about here. The first show I went to was something like Dinky Show in Woodstock. The real first show I went to, I consider the Foo Fighters in April of 1996. Because of John's relationship with one of the people who worked at Roseland, we got to be in the VIP section. And that continued. When Brooks was on the show, we talked about the Presidents of the United States of America show that we went to see. We also got to go to the VIP section. When Ryan and I went to see Soundgarden, same thing. No doubt, same thing. To be above the crowd and me being a pipsqueak that I was, so short and so incapable of looking over people's shoulders and not having to be with the unwashed masses. Just being able to watch the show and not be disturbed. It was great.
2: You were like a perfectly hilarious little
1: kid. Perfectly hilarious.
2: I just feel like you know you you look at like certain 80s movies with certain people and you're just you see them like at a certain age and you're like that that's such a that's so hilarious man like you as a little kid I feel like you can insert you into so many situations that, and then the hilarity would ensue
0: yeah
1: okay <laughs> for sure I mean John and Cheryl were very nurturing for being as wacky and crazy as I wanted to be that was was kind of cool to be able to have sort of alternative parents, and I never really saw them as alternative parents to the degree of I would seek out their advice, but they were psychologists, so inherently they gave advice without me asking. They were there as supplemental adults in my life. And Cheryl and I didn't really have as strong of a relationship as John and I did because Cheryl wouldn't go to these shows with John. It would just be me and him. Sarah would never go to these shows because she was far too young. We would go to the Lollapalooza shows at Jones Beach in 96 and 97, I guess. And those were crazy. Like I couldn't believe I was going to festivals at
2: 13. So you were like the surrogate kid for him the same way. Yeah,
1: Yeah, definitely. Let's take a listen to this interview that I conducted with him. On one random morning that he just happened to be upstate with us. For whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he was buying weed. <laughs> <laughs> Commence clip now. Okay. John, now
0: are you ready to speak? No, I
1: have that coffee
0: No! No! No, 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 Oh, well. No Why start out this thing? You know what I mean? <laughs> well. Well, well, I don't know what we're going to be doing at the moment, but for now, I think we're probably going to be doing cool stuff. Oh, here's John.
3: John. Oh, yes, Ilan. How are you doing this morning? All
0: right. Would you like to talk, please? Yes. Would you like to talk? Well,
3: uh, what is the subject uh, for today's interview?
0: Well, the subject is... uh, how do you feel now that Dancing Zone is starting again? The Dancing Zone Strikes Back.
3: The Dancing Zone Strikes Back begins for a new fall season. Catch it Wednesday night at 5.30 on Fox Network.
0: Wait, it's right now. No, it's starting right now. I'm sorry, I am off. I missed it, I missed it, I missed it. can I ask you a question? Right. Tell the people out there, like, tell the people out there, like, what do you think of the Dancing Zone? It really is hard to believe the turning
3: off
0: and saying so much. Hello?
3: Hot and heavy Yeah
0: man, hot and heavy Dancing in the Zone Dancing forever or two zoning? Forever Yeah man Yeah, yeah, Hi, 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 Alright, now I'm going to ask him, like some questions like Alright, um, right, profile John Shaw Where do you live?
3: Stony Brook, Long Island
0: What is your, uh, job? Sorry, what is your job?
3: Lifesavers.
0: Lifesavers? Not (laughs) lifesavers. Not. What is your job? Not. No, no. No, really, what's your job?
3: Extraordinaire.
0: Extraordinaire what? (laughs) Extra-what? Extraordinaire what?
3: It's in retirement. In retirement.
0: He's a psychologist, don't worry. Anyway, psychologist, and now, uh... Oh, yeah, also. Awesome. Um, are you married?
3: Yes, I'd have to say that I am. Yeah. A, very, a, a very young, lovely woman.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. you
3: married to? Uh, Alanis? Nah. No, she's a
0: heroine. She's also a psychologist. They are partners, and, uh... <laughs> all right, uh, what's your age? <laughs> More. No, no, no. Um... You know, he's about my dad's age. Oh, that's the other thing. Nope, that's the other thing. My dad and John are our are, our are, are, are big our like school friends from when they were like young in second grade. Then, they were friends. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, I think we're gonna have some fun now. All right, all right. What's your biggest achievement in life? <laughs> Helping people. Okay. All right. Who's your favorite? Who's your
3: favorite singer? Who's your, singer? Uh, <laughs> who's your favorite singer? Favorite singer. Uh, un- Unfortunately, the guy blew his brains out with a shotgun. Oh yeah. Kurt. Kurt. We want Kurt. We yeah, want Kurt. <laughs> we want Kurt.
0: All right. Who's your favorite
3: band? Alive or dead?
0: Uh. Current. Yeah, I guess.
3: We'd have to give it to Neil Young. Yeah. Dan? Oh,
0: yeah, we'll throw it down All right, um, what's your favorite color?
3: The color purple. Oh,
0: I thought it was black. (laughs) (laughs) He wears black all the time. All right, all right, all right, we'll see you. All right, this has been John Shaw's profile. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Just an average morning with a guest. My dad making breakfast and me
2: bothering our guest with our tape recorder. I mean, this is a the theme of the Danziger Zone, is that you are up in people's grills. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Danziger Zone is happening right now, whether you like it or not. Yeah. This is the broadcast. But you know, Hearing adult voices is always
1: an interesting uh, experiment, because you don't really hear many adult voices on a children's tape recording program.
2: Well, I think that's what's good, is that when we look back and we listen to you talking about stuff as a kid, the context is harder, because we are not kids. So we live that. Right. But we're not listening with kid ears; we're listening with adult ears. So when you hear the adults talking, you can sort of identify more with them. You know, when we listen, I'm sure even when you listen to that clip, you identify even more with John than yourself almost <laughs> at a point because you're like and you're like spazzing around, and John's just like he's you know he's cracking jokes on you. I don't but, think it's a more thing. I think I can identify with both. True, true. But it's one of those things where like you know you get what he was doing now. Oh, of course, back then you you were getting it. But not the same way.
1: Sure. There's a lot of fun that you have in the morning as a kid. You are energized, and adults are not energized at all. So I definitely would have been more groggy and just trying to, like, phone it in with this exuberant 13-year-old just, like, getting in your face, being all like, yes, let's record, damn it!
2: Yeah. I need financial incentive to really get very talkative before, like, 11
1: a.m. You've mentioned the first concerts that you've been to. You normally went with your parents. You didn't go with like a chaperone that wasn't your parents?
2: When I went to concerts when I was young, I think I, I went with my dad to all those concerts when I was really young. Yeah. And then at that point I just started going to concerts just with friends, yeah. you when I want to say, when I got into uh, probably high school for the first time. Because sure. then I started to do um, hardcore shows and, right. and metal shows. And you couldn't really get your dad to go with you to that. He would go. He oh, definitely he, would? he definitely would have gone. That's so cool. You know what's so funny? He hates rap music. You've mentioned this. And he hates like country music? I know and he says but it's he... called crap. Yeah, yeah, country music and rap they fuse and they call it crap. That's what he says. He's really old time New York. But I don't like think, yeah. he likes rock music. Like yeah. he just likes rock. So when I would play hardcore music for him, he wouldn't enjoy it, but he wouldn't tell me to turn it off. Interesting. But if I turn hip-hop on, he's just like, "Get die, you're like, nab it! <laughs> you That's know, turn that let music, you know, that sort of thing.
1: I think, like, I tried to get John into some rap music. One of the last times I ever saw him was in the, like, mid early, mid, yeah, like 2005, I would say, was the last time I uh, saw him. And we went to see a show. I think we were, like, getting high and, like, driving around Harlem or something. And I remember we were listening to this album by Tone Deaf. At the time, I was really, really into q and Five music. I still appreciate all those cats a lot, uh, although I just can't find myself to be listening to it on the same consistency. But I was super into this album by Tone Deaf, and I really wanted him to hear it even though I didn't think he was super into rap music, but I could tell that he was open-minded enough and appreciative of any music that I was into because I was open enough to listen to music in his car for the first time. I have a memory of listening to Mental Jewelry by Live in his car. He would drive Saabs or Volvos. Like, he was all about the Swedish cars for some reason. He drove a limited edition 900 made by Saab. And I distinctly remember we were listening to Mental Jewelry on tape, and I was sick to my stomach. And all I could think of when I think of that album is just feeling queasy in the
2: car driving around Kingston. You know, it's funny because there are people who really like sobs. Uh, they're good cars. I have a buddy of mine that has like a sob tattoo. Like, Really? They like sobs. Yeah. <laughs> they, people like them.
1: I mean, you um, have to really know how to drive a car to drive them because they don't make them automatic from my understanding. Yeah, yeah. They, they are manual to the max.
2: But on the other side of that, I definitely feel like, I guess it happened in the last 20 years really. There was like sort of an acceptance by popular culture of hip hop You know, it was breaking in 20 years ago. Some people were the same way, like, that ain't music. And now it's sort of pretty widely accepted that, like, you know, it's not that everyone likes it, but even people who used to dislike it now aren't necessarily appreciative of it, but they accept it. Yeah. And they accept rappers as musicians and stuff like that. When I feel like it was definitely something that people tried to discredit for a long time. And I remember times the same way Uh, of playing hip-hop for people who had really negative ideas about it. It's just like anything. You have a negative idea about something that you're not exposed to. Look
1: So sometimes we would go to Long Island and spend some time with John and Cheryl, and on this particular clip, you'll hear is me in the car with my sister, Sarah, Cheryl, who's driving, and John's brother, Danny, who I got a chance to meet up with when I moved to the city originally in 2005. But that said, I don't really have a relationship with him at at all, and I'm almost certain that his relationship with his brother is just as odd and it still continues on to this day. But that said, at this time, I've very little about it because Danny was sort of an oddball in his own right. I'm very, very touched by the fact that he even just sounds somewhat patient with two little kids that he had no business being around. He didn't become a father until 10 years ago, and this was ten, well like 10 years before that. This is the beginning of the car ride.
2: All right, play that fucking clip, white boy, boy. Say hi to
0: the dance of the Danzig zone, Cheryl. Dance of
3: the zone. yeah. Crazy things always happening. That's right. You never know what's gonna happen next. Right what? in the dance of the zone. <laughs> it's the wild Ta-da! zone. Oh, speak, man. Speak. What's that? Hey, dance of his own. Hey. It's a cold and wild
0: yeah. night in the. Day. Turn it up. It's, it's weird. On? Boys and girls, seat belts. If he can get it on. See the scarecrow at the end of the driveway.
3: He moves.
0: Oh yeah, John I moves. <laughs>
3: Raising its though.
0: <laughs> ah. Is Is I can't get the good? seat.
3: Though. I can't get the seat. I'll ask John. I don't think he comes out. John, do you have any gum? <sighs> I don't think so. yeah, bring gum. Huh? Gum.
0: Now maybe we have some more. Here. Let's see. Let's go see a movie <laughs> we might have some under so, Elon lot uh, some of that uh, shit well during toy story to see what it's well, I really like <laughs> 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 you don't
3: like those we'll get Yes. Here, won't we? The fun doesn't
0: just stop here, it, it keeps going on and, and on and that's why it's weird. Weird, weird. Oh. Play of life. Just play weird. <laughs> Bored to be weird. And live until you're totally
3: yes. strange. Sarah, do you like candy? On Sunday, we finish off the
2: whole day. <laughs> <laughs> you can just hear the ADD on display. <laughs> that is too funny that you say that because I was literally thinking, oh man, I can't believe Alon came back and that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> this is proof on tape that ADD exists. <laughs> 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 I was just thinking, I'm like, that is a collection of thoughts. There's no there's no drive in, in that clip. huh.
1: More important is, is that the ADD is on display in a full car with people. It doesn't even sound like I'm really addressing what's going on in the car whatsoever. I'm just sort of riffing
2: no different than they riff now, but even worse. That... that clip made me forget what I was doing. <laughs> I forgot I was at the studio for a second. I was like, ah. I, I, and for a second, I was in the car, and I was like, what is going on? Something outside the window? Is that a dog? <laughs> I thought
1: the gum meant that they had gotten high or something, and they wanted to, like, you know, mask their breath or something. As somebody who has partaken in the past, I guess. I mean,
2: people shoot gum. <laughs>
1: I don't know. You partaking?
2: You like? You like to partake in gum after ever so often, bro.
1: I, Has gum ever so? Yeah. Often? I don't know. Let's keep going. Actually, oh, this, this this continues.
0: This is a Burger King, and it's not. It's sort of short. Sure. It's like, you know, three minutes. Okay. Oh, so oh, oh, you might want to take a break anyway. All right. So
3: God. Do you like Burger King better? Thank God. You're home with a
0: Whopper. <laughs> it's a Whopper. Yeah, Shh. You Pick up. Yeah
3: we don't have time to pick anything up. Ooh. We only have time to order out. Elon, nine-piece chicken McNugget? Yeah. Sarah, six-piece. Yep. And what are we drinking? Pick up no your
0: problem. toys. What, well, what toys are they? Hello.
3: Let me see. Yeah, chicken tenders?
0: Is that what you're getting? you hear us? Oh, there are no McNuggets. Why don't they This is Burger King, not McDonald's. Chicken fingers. Chicken tenders. Chicken tenders. Safety, safety, it's okay. Yes. We need two chicken tenders. I need your penis. Um, actually, chicken tenders. Oh, so you're gross. Um, I need your buttocks One small diet coke. And a buttock so you're at it.
3: Okay? Okay. Yes, and two chicken tenders. Your Anything else with that? Nope, that's it. No, no. Whoa, you cost $277. Whoa, yeah. I don't know if we get it. I'll have to
0: send it. So nice interacting with people. <laughs> that's right. Wait, wait. It's not over yet. We're still interacting
3: with people just now <laughs> <laughs> who's interacting with
0: people i am interacting with you're, people you are? it's a good experience interacting with people because then we know people better you're interacting with your machine what you're interacting with What? Your what's what? what? no i was recording what was happening just now <laughs> are we interacting oh, shut up <laughs> oh sir what, why don't you do same for the answer right now <sighs> How about Sarah the Fantastical Gurgle? Sarah. Oh, is
3: Dan's a gazone again? Oh, God. I thought you... Oh, God. Turn him off. Sarah the Fantastical oh,
0: Why? Why? Why, Jane? Why, you lady? No! 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Bye. I gotta see you later. Ciao. Woohoo! <laughs> Sarah the Gurgle. It was short, but... Sturdy, you know, it's one of those short things that really make you laugh. What? Oh, oh, oh it's still continuing. To be continued, and now here's the sequel to Seven uh, Fantasmas Gorgon. Let's say about that. <laughs> Why Jerry, guys, see it. die. Why? Okay, cut. Guys, guys, cut. That was the short, very, very short sequel to oh. I'm Really Crazy. <laughs> No, this has been uh, this has been Sarah Vintas McGurkle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting a toy now.
3: Do you want a puppet? Uh, a puppet or what? Or an or a puppet or what?
0: Astronaut. Astronaut? Oh, Buzz! Buzz, fly! <laughs> My fly. Oh the woody puppet. Is the puppet cute. We're gonna
3: take a look at the
0: puppet. Vito, you know, I just saw these lights. Daddy, can I ask you a question? What are those lights up there? They're shining down on us! Yeah, I don't know.
3: It could be aliens.
0: <laughs> Wait!
1: <laughs> are
3: you gonna eat your you get it eat it. Wait dinner. a minute! There's a light
0: over there! What is the lights? We need some ketchup too, please.
1: Oh, goodness.
2: That's, like, the very first one of all these clips where I really did think in a moment, you know, if this was my kid, I probably would take the tape recorder. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? You got to figure out a way to make this show silent.
1: <laughs> there, There is so much to cover on this clip. Okay. So the first one was meant as an introduction. And then the second one, where I did a drive through It's not the McDonald's. It's the Burger King. I don't normally eat at Burger King. I normally eat at McDonald's. Yeah.
2: Rep. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm serious, dude. You know, we don't have any product placement here except for our own Perona products, but, like, screw Burger King, dude. I don't, yeah.
1: McDonald's for life! I, I, I care less about... Coke for life! I care less about fast food as I get older and if I am going in for some kind of guilty... And I really mean guilty, fast food hit up. Uh, I don't see Burger Kings very often anymore. I wish I can go to a Wendy's. It ends up being McDonald's. And I don't feel good about myself. I feel terrible about myself. Well, that you don't feel good about
2: yourself it's that you don't feel like you're going to make it through the day.
1: Dude, when I was a kid, I had the grossest diet. I could get away with eating McDonald's even on that weird-ass health food diet because it wasn't with anything I couldn't eat. Like, I could certainly have potatoes. I could have chicken or whatever is supposedly chicken. So I would get the largest chicken McNuggets I could get, and I would just eat that. And I would get, like, maybe a soda, a small soda, maybe, like, a small fry. But I would go all in and just eat as many of the chicken McNuggets as possible. It was disgusting. But if I had to go to a Burger King... Whatever, I would just get the next best thing, like the chicken tenders or whatever, the chicken fingers. I have to say that
2: that was the one thing at Burger King I never got mad at. Their chicken was fine. Yeah, their burgers I thought were lacking. It had the fake barbecue taste. Yeah, which I, I just I wasn't. I never out. ate a burger at
1: McDonald's or Burger King. I've had burgers at Wendy's, but I've never had burgers. at Well, the if you didn't gym. grow up with
2: it, then eating it now it, it doesn't taste at all like a burger. It tastes sure. like McDonald's burger. Yeah. It's yeah. something else. They concocted some sort uh, of uh, creepy let's, thing. Let's yeah. let's move on from t- that. No. That's disgusting. No, there's let's not move on. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> there's there's just one thing that I gotta get across okay. um, about McDonald's. And I don't understand. I know this is people around the world that figure this out too. Um they need to teach their employees. When you order like the double cheeseburger meal and you don't want any cheese on it. You have to say double cheeseburgers, no cheese. You can't say, let me get double hamburgers. They look at you like you're talking a different language. I,
1: I would look at you, too, because why would you get a double hamburger from McDonald's? Well, no, I'm
2: saying the idea is you have to ask have them to take— You the have to mask dude. You have to. Well, I can't eat cheese. Well, but get at the time—and at the time, I didn't like the cheese. I never liked cheeseburgers. But I would have to ask them to get me cheeseburgers, no cheese. You know, somehow in that meal, they serve hamburgers, but they just couldn't— figure out that a cheeseburger with no cheese is a hamburger. They just didn't get that.
1: One day we're going to have to, on the food tip, bring in that tape that my parents had. It wasn't a part of this recording series that has remained constant throughout the vein of Lost and Rewound. It is, in fact, a clip of my parents talking to the nutritionist about what I can and can't eat. But we got to get, like, some nutritionist... Or some chemist, and apparently person. you were
2: trying to eat sexual organs.
1: Right. Of course, I could eat that, but I can't eat freaking fish or something. You were right? ordering them.
2: Good thing they just ignored you. They didn't hear it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure yeah, they didn't hear it.
1: Let's talk about the fact that, like, I was being a total thirteen-year-old,
2: being like, "I want your
1: penis." Oi, wait. Yeah, I mean, order a butt. Wait, oh, yes, I, I want a butt, yes. Do they have a butt? A butt goes across all genders.
2: Well, I know, I, dude, I know. I want a butt. I, I Give me made, your butt. I made the same sort of <laughs> jokes around age. I just didn't have yeah. a tape recorder, I guess is the difference. Yeah. No, it was so typical sophomore behavior those jokes, for a 13-year-old. Those jokes were lost into the ether, and but the... for you, they were forever preserved.
1: <laughs> Trust me, I didn't have to put it in, but I definitely knew that it was important to show that I was no different, and yes. no, nobody should expect that uh, any different, that I was to be uh, exactly like every other kid, especially since boyish behavior was on display. But, of course, the best part of that clip is Cheryl calling me out. Yeah, that was pretty. That was really good. It was amazing. You're talking to your machine. You're not interacting. And that was brilliant because I needed to be told that. Yeah, because
2: there was definitely a thing that you did with the show, which is a smart thing to do as far as audio performance goes, is that you never would wait for other people you would just keep going. So there'd be situations where you would prompt somebody to be on the show with you, and they would look at you like, What are you talking about? Or I'm, I'm not going to do it, or I'm not ready, or what are you talking about? And then you, if they for a moment didn't say something, you would just continue. I'm
1: going to rue the day I say this, but I'm going to say it now anyway. It's almost basically exactly the way Lost and Rewound is now. I feel like I just try and solicit and get people to be a part of it, but nobody wants to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. I'm a self defeatist
2: uh, to the max, um, but I can I can, uh, I, I, can... Get, I get where you're coming from, but I will disagree with you okay. because I think the people they don't know they want to be a part of it. Uh-huh. No one's like walking down the street like God. I want to be a guest on a radio show. Yeah, but I've spoken with a lot of people that have been guests on the show. And they're really happy they did it and want to come back. So although it's not they didn't want to before, no one's like, gosh, I just wish I wish I'd be in a position where I don't have any fame, but I get interviewed on program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So trust me, dude, don't worry about that.
1: John and Cheryl are not a part of my life anymore, and I wish they were. It's unfortunate that they're not because these moments and more that were off tape are some of my dear favorite memories that existed throughout my middle school years. You know, when you're a kid that starts a new school and you have the luck of having folks in your life who you could talk to, it's unfortunate that I can't talk to them anymore. You were probably wondering what did happen to them. Well, my dad and John went in on a business relationship. It didn't work out. And the long and the short of it is that my dad sought out John for financial help, and John agreed to it, and then at the last minute said, I can't do this. And my dad and him had a huge falling out. Because of that huge falling out, so did the rest of the Danziger family fall out of the Shawl liking. And it's sad because what what ends up happening is is that this person that you've maintained such a strong relationship with because of association, you are not able to see this person anymore. And I remember <laughs> I distinctly remember him telling me, I think it was over the phone. I remember I was working in Manhattan and this like was all happening sort of very suddenly and very awkwardly in the middle of the work day. My work situation at the time couldn't have been more awkward in and of itself because I had – the office was a – the the place where people went in to go and throw their food into the fridge and make coffee. I I worked in the pantry area basically, <laughs> but uh, I excused myself to the window overlooking Broadway, and I was just chatting with him over the phone and just trying to understand, like, what's going on, John? What are you doing? And he told me, I got to get out of the Danziger zone, man. I can't do it anymore. That was the last time I ever spoke to him, that conversation. You know, it's, it's
2: wild, actually, because the exact same thing happened with my grandfather. My dad told me that his father had a best friend that he knew for over 20 years, and they were, like, always together, every family event, things like that. And then they went on in some sort of business arrangement. And then one thing went one way, and then things went south. And my grandfather ended up, like, losing out on, like, his entire retirement because he had in the business and the guy, I don't really know the details, but from what I always heard in my family was the other guy got the money and my grandfather didn't, and they stopped becoming friends because of it. So I know that this program, we don't typically do this like you do on Jerry Springer, but if we're going to have, like, a final thought, we don't need to use Jerry's formula. I know it's worked for, like, 30 years or whatever.
1: We need to get away from Jerry's formula.
2: Yes, but basically, if you're going to learn anything from our program, it's going to be in this episode, don't get into business with friends and family.
1: I agree. Um, I just think that... Or at least business with that kind of um, no that, gravitas.
2: It, no, man. If you are splitting a business with someone, it doesn't matter how gravy it is at the start. Mm-hmm. If you're close with them... I had a great friend of mine where we just moved in together and just because money all of a sudden was exchanging hands you know as far as just different responsibilities that happened in the apartment we stopped becoming friends because money and friends don't mix
1: i've been very lucky to be in a very good relationship the last seven years with somebody that not only is my wife but is my business partner so i'm very lucky that that's worked out Though I will attest the stories that I've heard in the past from, you know, my father, my mom, um, my sister, in her own right, have all dealt with being in business with good friends or, you know, family members and just it not working out.
2: I think that when it comes to husband and wife, that that's in my mind, that's sort of the only situation where I feel like I would do it just because... If you guys can't trust each other, like, why are you married in the first place? Like, it's either going to – it's either like that – the business is – obviously, if the business doesn't work with you guys, then the relationship is not going
1: to work. Well, I mean, this is the thing. Like, I I sort of simplified it, but the feelings that were being had between my dad and John were clearly so strained to begin with. They were accusing each other of doing one thing or the other that um, attributed to the final say on the matter. And who knows if there was even a final say. They just kind of stopped talking. And I just kind of felt all out of place and wanting to mediate. I'm not a good mediator. I want to be a good mediator. I want to be, like, in the middle, and I don't want to choose sides. To this day, into my adulthood, I've never wanted to choose sides. But I have to because it's my father, so I obviously have to. And John's a a lunatic. And
2: And there are situations that
1: you can't – you just can't fix. Maybe he's not a lunatic anymore, but I have tried to fix it. And I would call every now and again over the last several years. I have actually called their house to check in on them if they would answer. And this was the thing. They were notorious unanswering people. They would never answer the phone. They would always let it go to voicemail always, or not voicemail, sorry, they would let the answering machine answer it. <laughs> Thank you, Amber Dre. Uh, they would always let the answering machine go, and so you would be calling, and they would never answer, and maybe they would call you back, or maybe they would pick up while you were on the answering machine, depending on who was calling. Notorious. So, I remember, <laughs> actually, it was really funny. I was in Queens. I was at the creek in the cave, or outside the creek in the cave, waiting for a B-62 in you know to take me into Brooklyn, and I Just randomly decided I was going to call the house, and I ended up on the phone with Cheryl. She actually answered the phone, and I told her I what was going on with my life. This was probably like about six years ago this happened, and I told her everything that was going on, and I was curious what was happening with her. And I said, well, you know, John's out, but I'll tell him that you gave him a call, and I said thank you, and that was the last I heard from her. And I remember I would call, I would say, I'm getting married today, guys, you know, this, that, and the other. I would just always call, even though I knew I was talking to nobody. Nobody. I felt like I was just talking to myself. And it's just, it's weird. It's like this sick obsession that I have to just try and remain relevant to people who don't care about me
2: is this it's hard uh it's difficult letting go when there are people in your past that you cared about and you didn't necessarily have a falling out with them but because of familial responsibility you have to i had a similar thing happen with someone in my family where there was a person that sort of got banished from the family that i had at the time had a good relationship with but they had taken all these steps that i had seen to like, you know, hurt themselves and everyone, other people in the family. Where I totally got why they were taken out, and it was one of those things that had hurt. And I wanted to, at the same time, reach out to that person. I was asked not to, yeah, so I didn't. And then the person died, and it was just, uh, it was, yeah, it just it hurts. You're right. You sort of long for what had been. I feel like I, you, I have the same situation where you'll have friends that you know really well. You've known them for. You know, a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And you guys aren't friends the way you used to be friends. Like, you're still friends, but you can't spend time together the way you used to spend time. And then even when you do, it's not the same. And you can't recapture what you had. And you always sort of want that back. Well, a lot of cases, if you
1: are not good friends with somebody to the way that you thought you were, you won't be able to accomplish that picking things up where you left off. You and I, we picked things up where we left off because we're we're tight like that. But there are so many folks that I would go to school with who – I thought I was on much better terms with college or high school. And it just when you see them and you're trying to connect with them and it just isn't the same. because well,
2: sometimes you change and they were friends with the old you. Or they
1: change, exactly, whatever. I mean it, it, it's bound to happen. Human behavior is so much is that in most cases you're always bound to drift. But if you don't, that really is a testament to just truly how close two people are and how intrinsic the connection is. I thought I had that with adults, but clearly not. <laughs> well, again, it, it,
2: it depends. They, they were friends with you into your adulthood. Yeah. Like I said, to me, this sort of reminds me of situations like a Romeo and Juliet type of deal. Yeah. You know, where you have this, this familial responsibility that you might not necessarily agree with, but, you know, and they, and they feel the same way. Like they still may want to be friends with you but they might feel like they can't because they feel almost like they betrayed your father, possibly, you know?
1: And at the end of the day, you don't cross Robin Danziger, so I'm totally comfortable with that.
2: And it's yeah. one of those things where it's, yeah, family is family, you know? You've watched Game of Thrones before, right? Uh... <laughs> well, all you need to know is that people take family very seriously. Yeah. And uh, death. Marrying things like that, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah,
1: I hope it never gets to that kind of level.
3: (laughs)
0: Do 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 do
1: Our show this week was a little more hot and heavy. (laughs) <laughs> As John yeah. put it. It was, it was ooh, hot and heavy for sure. It was it was humbling. It but, was but so,
2: Hey, man, this is a very special episode of Lost in Rewind.
1: A, a very special episode of Lost in Rewind. An episode that I honestly felt like I needed to get off my chest. Mom, Dad, if you hear this ever, I'm sorry, but shit, I had to I go down. It had to happen. If
2: there was like a theme song for this episode, it would be this song that plays during the 7th Heaven intro. 7th Heaven. <laughs> when I see the happy faces. Smiling you know, back you know i 'm talking about to, to
1: be fair though, <laughs> this show is supposed to be more of a storytelling show i 've always hoped that it would be more of a storytelling show, and if it isn 't then it isn 't but if it is that 's the money shot right there to be able to get people in here to share their tapes like many have in the past and tell the stories behind them. So if you have anything that you want to share on this show please reach out to us at lostandrewound at gmail.com. We know you're out there, and we want to hear what you have. If you don't know how to get it to us, email us and ask us how to do that. But we want to hear your stories. We want to hear the tapes that tell these stories because my story is only one. And there's so many out there, There whether whether it's a doom journey or not. Yeah, there might might be
2: something that you need to get off of your air chest as well. Quick thing to
1: mention, too, coming up, we have a holiday party here in Bushwick at GG Nix, 1339 DeKalb Avenue. Come one, come all, there will be a a lot of great stuff going on from 8 to midnight On December 10th, that's a Saturday, there's a $5 suggested donation, and there will be a performance by out-of-system transfer at 9 p.m. It's a cash bar, DJs and dancing throughout the night. It's a typical holiday party. So we invite you to come and hang out with Jimmy and I and the rest of the Radio Free Brooklyn gang on Saturday, December 10th at 8 p.m. It's going
2: to be lit.
1: Go to our website, (laughs) RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, for more information. Yeah, possibly. Possibly.
2: You know, you're going to see people getting trashed. <laughs> <laughs> As it is supposed to.
1: Uh, we'll be back next week, and we will have more holiday-related clips, I'm sure, inevitably for you, or not, whatever the case may be. We'll look forward to having you join us next week on another unpredictable version of this rabble-rousing affair.
2: Here on the same bat time, same bat channel. 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Lost and Rewound. I'm Alan, And I'm Jimmy. Thanks for spending some time with us.
0: Moolah money, Moolah cash money, cash money Moolah.